You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another week of Women to Watch. My name is Sue Rocco, and it's Great to be back with all of you this evening, and I hope everyone's enjoying a wonderful long holiday weekend on this Labor Day weekend. Joining me in just a moment will be Rachel Jarosh, and Rachel is the president and CEO of Enactus, which is a global community of students, teachers, and business leaders taking entrepreneurial action to transform lives and communities of people that need it the most. Um, I, I'm very excited for this interview. What these young people are doing is really quite amazing. So um, Rachel will be with me in just a minute. Be sure to stay with us during our breaks to hear from our exclusive watch team who brings up-to-date information and news from their industries in health, finance, law, veterans affairs, technology, and marketing, and nonprofit. Uh, and don't forget to download the podcast so you never miss a show and sign up for our newsletter by visiting womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. So now I'm thrilled and honored to welcome to the show Rachel Jarosh, again, the president and CEO of Enactus. Rachel, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. It is wonderful to have you. You and I met, I think, a year ago in, in New York at a wonderful event with the Global Thinkers Forum. And uh, I knew right away when we met that I wanted to have you on the show. Uh, well, you're very kind. It was indeed at a Global Thinkers Forum. Uh, not surprising, of course, yet another amazing organization doing amazing work uh, with women in leadership. Right. And Elizabeth is, is a super connector as well. Um, indeed. Yes, for the listeners, Rachel, I thought I'd ask you to, to first tell them what Enactus is. <clears throat> Excuse me. So for people who are not familiar, um, perhaps in, you know, a one or two liner, um, tell them what, what Enactus is all about. Sure. At our core, Enactus nurtures young college students, university students around the world to understand how business can be a force for good. 
So today we are the largest experiential learning platform that's dedicated to that next generation of leadership, helping them understand and prepare as entrepreneurial values-driven social innovators who can take their skills and the things they are learning in the classroom, apply them in real-world settings to better prepare for their life, whether that be a life in government service, private sector, nonprofit sector, or other. Our goal is to help them find their purpose, combine that purpose with entrepreneurial skills, and think about how they can then use them for the greatest good. You know, Rachel, do you feel as though with what is currently happening in the world that Enactus is more uh, important than ever or timely, I should say? You no, know, it's a great question. And I have been saying for the last six months, uh, we are honored that all of us at Enactus, we lead an organization that is 45 years old for a nonprofit. That's a remarkable history and legacy. And we stand on the shoulders of Benny. But our mission has never been more relevant than it is today. And, and I understand that through the voices of our students with whom I've been holding listening calls over the last six months, um, we know, you know, there's a wonderful leader in the world, Paul Pullman, the former CEO of Unilever and now uh, the founder of Imagine. And he often says, we don't need to invite the next generation to the table. We need to give them the table. They will solve how we revive and thrive coming out of this pandemic and the economic impact of it, they will address more effectively, frankly, than I think my generation has, uh, the inequalities that we see, racial, gender, and other. We need to ensure that the next gen is deeply engaged. And I can tell you, I find hope every day through some very difficult times that we've all been enduring these last several months uh, in the voices and the actions, and most importantly, the impact that these students are creating today. So absolutely, the Enactus mission, never more relevant than it is today. You know, we're going to get into more of the organization and, and also some of the projects that these amazing students are working on. But I want to learn a little bit more about you. And I want to share a quote um, that I think really kind of describes uh, a pivotal moment in your younger years and how you ended up in, in philanthropic um, endeavors. You said, when I was seven years old, I vividly remember my mom crying as she looked out the window at people going to synagogue. And when I asked her why she was crying, she said, because these people never, ever gave up, even after all they had been through as refugees. Talk about that moment and why it's so um, fresh in your mind. Absolutely. I'd be honored to. So um, somebody asked me recently what really was the most fundamental or, or what were the defining moments of my childhood, and that was perhaps the most fundamental of all of them. Um, at that moment, I was sitting with my mother, and everybody can remember, I think, this moment when as a child you see your parent cry. It's bewildering. It can be terrifying. Um, it certainly, for me, opened my heart um, in many ways. And um, at that moment, I started to comprehend uh, my mother as, an, as a person, as a unique person from me, but also to comprehend what she had lived through. My mother was a refugee during World War II from Poland, um, deported by Stalin's forces, so part of the war that we don't hear very much about. Um, and that led her on a journey as a refugee for 10 years, over 20,000 
uh, miles, several countries, um, and she had never spoken to me about it. But in, in watching others who were proud of their history, as traumatic as it was, um, she was sharing with me some of the complicated emotions she had as a refugee. Uh, and it inspired in me a numerous things at that moment, but one of them was a desire to help others and a desire to ensure um, that people felt a sense of belonging, which I think my mother struggled, struggled to feel for many, many years in her life. Mm. That's a, that's a wonderful story, Rachel. We're going to go into our first break, and I want to pick up on that when we come back. Stay with us for our watch team. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. Marketing Watch. Hi, everyone. I'm Lynn Falconio, Chief Marketing Officer of Publicis Health for Women to Watch Marketing Watch. Last week, I suggested that asking when will things go back to normal is perhaps the wrong question to ask. We're now long past the possibility of returning to anything that resembles the old normal, as the pandemic has forever changed the way we live, work, and play. Instead, we collectively must think about how we can reimagine a new, different future in a post-pandemic world. We've heard the phrase flatten the curve a lot over the past few months to describe the necessary measures to get the spread under control. Now, as some parts of the world have successfully flattened the curve, we are learning how to live under the curve, lives of avoidance and management while we await treatments and a vaccine. Life under the curve means health is at the forefront of our minds and informs how we make decisions. Another way of looking at life under the curve is through the lens of psychology. The pioneering psychologist Abraham Maslow developed the famous hierarchy of needs pyramid to explain human motivation. And this tool is often used in marketing to understand what motivates a target audience to make decisions. For marketers, it's essential to understand that regardless of industry or target audience, health and safety, the foundation of Maslow's Pyramid, is now the key motivator behind almost all consumer decision-making. It impacts how we shop, where we go on vacation and how we get there, and how to move forward with education just among a few key decisions we make every day. We're navigating through uncharted territory, and no one has ever seen this movie before. In the coming weeks, I will unpack how life under the curve plays out across industries, from restaurants to travel and hospitality to the future of retail and e-commerce and beyond. Until next time, I'm Lynn Falconio for Marketing Watch. Now the women to watch, Legal Watch. This is Nicole Hitner at Ballard Spar Law Firm for Legal Watch. As some schools reopen and businesses crack open the doors, calling back furloughed employees, employers need to brace themselves for the next wave of issues. COVID-19 complaints from employees and contractors about health and safety in the workplace have exploded in the last few months, with many people taking to social media or the press to publicize their concerns. Bad press, whistleblower and retaliation claims, and wrongful discharge issues are all potential trouble on the horizon for employers. Get in front of these issues and be prepared. Join Ballard's Labor and Employment Team for a webinar on September 24th so you can be knowledgeable about your rights and prepared to weather the storm. You can register online at ballardspar.com. You can find tons of other helpful information at our COVID Resource Center at the same address. It's updated constantly for the changing winds of the pandemic and the resulting regulations. There's never been a more important time to be informed about your legal rights and risks. This is Nicole Hitner at Ballard Spar for your legal watch, and we're here to help. 
This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, I'm speaking to Rachel Jarosh this evening. She's the president and CEO of Enactus, which is an incredible um, organization that brings together students and teachers and and business leaders who are working on all kinds of um, projects that that really transform people's lives and communities from all around the world. Um, And just before the break, I had asked you about, you know, a pivotal moment from your childhood. And I love that story because I think you're so right about um, remembering a parent crying is, is always something that stays with us. And I wonder if you recall your mom, because she shared with you in that moment what was touching her heart, whether she kind of healed a little bit from being open with you about it. Well, I certainly would like to think so. And I know that, you know, she experienced tremendous trauma as a child um, and through her refugee experiences. But what my mother was so capable of and which what stays with me most is her capacity for joy. And we talk about that a lot in our family and in our organization. And and throughout my life, this has been a theme because um, many of us all know personal traumas, personal tragedies and challenges. We are all tested in a variety of ways. But Her capacity for joy stemmed from her memory of distinct moments of individuals throughout those traumatic years as a refugee moving from camp to camp, um, fighting for survival, literally. Uh, She remembers really unique individual moments with individuals who, through small acts of kindness, really changed her trajectory, um, but also demonstrated to her still the goodness of humankind. Right. The ability to retain faith in humankind, despite what she was enduring. Mm. And that capacity for joy is what stayed with me most um, and really was embedded in that day, because it was that day when she was crying. I'm thinking of her history that she started to share a few stories with me about what she had endured. And those stories, of course, continued to grow as I got older. But that her capacity for joy, despite what she had witnessed, is what stayed with me most and is always embedded in me. And what I think we can all, you know, remember as we think about our daily interactions, whether it be um, down the street at the grocery or um, bigger opportunities to create pathways for others. Do you feel that um, that capacity for joy in yourself? Do, do you feel that? Th- you do because yes, you know you see a lot of uh, things going on in the world that aren't always the best um, of humanity. I do, and it's part of why I'm so privileged to have uh, the job that I have today. Um, I often say to those around me and in and without our organization that uh, the greatest privilege of my life is leading an organization that instills so much hope um, and so much joy in the lives of so many. You know, Enactus works with college students. We work with them on their campuses, um, but they are doing work in communities and they choose the communities they work with. Uh, They may be communities that need new opportunities. They may be disadvantaged in a variety of ways, but they make those choices and they go out and they create incredible impact. And to know that not only are they creating real Uh, change for people today, but that the lessons they are learning through that experience will expand their life for decades to come. That's a great source of joy for me and a great source of hope. And so I look for those small moments with each of those students when I'm able to interact with them or to see their 
work on the ground. Um, and I try to really hold those dear, but also articulate them. Part of leadership, right? In terms of embedding those moments in your memory, taking the learning from each one of those joyous moments and, and remembering to carry that forward is really critical to me. Um, and it's been hard. We've gone through a tremendous amount of trauma and stress as a community, both regionally, nationally, and internationally. Um, and so I've been very vocal about trying to find those moments over these last many months um, and to really focus on them and continue to, to appreciate the humanity and goodness in all of us. You know, it reminds me of that saying, one of my favorites, you know, in the worst of times, in the worst tragedies, look for the helpers. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. But these kids are so young. You know, when I think of myself <laughs> at 16, 17, 18, I, gosh, I have to say, I didn't have these big, bold, um, you know, visions uh, and the ability, or, or I would say the the capability to maybe wonder about them, but to, mm -hmm. to actually go forward and try to solve problems, you know, by inventing and building is really impressive. It's a, it's a remarkable thing. And I, I came to this organization uh, because I was privileged enough to be invited to witness their work in action uh, more than a decade ago. And at that point, it happened to be at one of the Enactus events that we hold around the world every year. This is a competition where the students... Um, of an actress around the world come together and compete with each other, but they're competing on the impact of the work they have done. So they're presenting their social enterprise, their new business or their project on stage. They have to document the impact they've made on people, um, on the planet, if applicable, um, and on prosperity. And it was when I saw them doing that, that I saw myself, Sue, and I remember thinking I would have never had the courage, but I also don't know that anybody ever gave me the opportunity. And that oh, was a really important right. moment for me. And I started to think about what I would do to create those mm. kinds of opportunities for others. Yeah. Listen, we're going to go into our next break. When we come back, I want to find out what your aspirations were when you went off to law school. I'm speaking to Rachel Jarosh, president and CEO of Enactus. We'll be right back. Now, the Women to Watch, Military Watch. Hello, I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military and Veteran Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. By now, you know about our company's enduring commitment to the military community. But it isn't just our own employees we're in the business of supporting. On today's Military Watch, I want to highlight and share a concept we created that other companies can adopt and adapt to meet the needs of their own military community employees in a very impactful way. Three years ago, we championed a professional development experience called the Military Influencer and Leadership Development Symposium, and luckily, we shortened that to MILDEV. The event focused on both mentorship and social connection among our military employees and their supporters from across the enterprise. This three-day event brings together over 100 high-performing employees from across the country to our Philadelphia headquarters to network, engage with our senior leaders, and focus on their personal career development. We also bring in amazing speakers covering a range of topics like understanding body language, personal finance, and mental wellness. The goal is to provide an amazing professional development and team building experience for our veterans, our Guard and Reserve members, and our military connected employees. This event has also become a platform for the entire company to recognize and celebrate our military community teammates. 
By facilitating effective mentorship, we believe we can help military employees more successfully manage their careers and bring the full weight of their experience to our company. Now, of course, in the times of COVID, we have to pivot to recreate our MILDEF concept into a virtual environment, which actually brings us new opportunities to impact even more employees in our company. For organizations looking to engage their military community, an experience like MILDEV is a great place to start. Invest in your own military community members, and believe me, you'll see a return 10 times by retaining and driving growth. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. Now, the Women to Watch, Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. This morning on Your Radio Doctor, I spoke to Ms. Elena Mulger from the American Red Cross in Philadelphia. The mission to prevent and alleviate human suffering in the face of emergencies through five arms of the service, blood services, training for CPR, lifeguard and swimming and babysitting classes, supporting military families, international services, and disaster relief, like Hurricane Laura in Texas and Louisiana, hundreds of thousands without power or water, especially during COVID. The American Red Cross makes a big impact. COVID has made their work a lot harder usually hundreds of blood drives per week in our city, but when the Pennsylvania and Jersey governors called for lockdown, centers were closed and there was an emergency shortage by end of March. Then centers considered essential for public health reopened, churches and the YMCA met our needs by mid-April. Though demand for blood was down because elective surgeries were postponed, fewer cars on the road meant fewer highway accidents, the number one use for donated blood is for cancer patients and that need doesn't go away. What the Red Cross needs is more locations. We don't know how long the pandemic will last, and 80% of donated blood is from blood drives, churches, schools. Please consider donating your blood, or if you've recovered from COVID, your convalescent plasma. The process is simple. Make an appointment, have a good sleep, good meal, drink extra fluid. Your blood will flow faster and you'll feel better. Then wear a mask, we have social distancing, and we'll check your temp. You read some materials, answer a questionnaire, including travel history. And if you qualify, that's normal blood pressure and heartbeat, you lie on a cot and the blood's collected in eight to 10 minutes. Then to the canteen for snack and juice. Visit redcross.org because 90% of the work is from volunteers. So divas, give blood, give life. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Rachel, I wanted to, to go back a little bit again in your, your journey and, and find out you, you're an attorney. You went off to law school and um, wondering what your aspirations were at that time. 
Well, we talk about creating opportunities just a moment ago. And, and when I went to law school, I wanted to do one very clear thing. I wanted to create better lives for people who were enduring the kinds of um, harsh realities that my mother had endured in her childhood. So I really wanted to work um, on issues of human rights, civil rights, sp specifically with the refugee and immigrant communities. Um, but I had very big aspirations, and I didn't know if that would take me to The Hague or the UN or somewhere else. Um, and then the real world interrupted, right? I graduated mm -hmm. from law school at a time when there were very few jobs available. Um, and I was not able to secure a job in the field that I had hoped to study. Um, and I found myself doing something very different. I found myself working in employment law. Um, but of course, my natural uh, inclination toward issues related to people um, who face challenges landed me in the field of employment law and specifically sexual harassment at a time when sexual harassment laws were just coming into being and the issue was exploding. Um, and I often say to, to younger people, you know, I always thought about my career not as um, a static thing, but as a journey. And because life is long, I always envisioned that it would evolve. And indeed, indeed, it did evolve. Law school opened up the world for me in terms of how to think differently um, about problems, very differently than I had been trained in, in my education prior to that. And it meant that that um, initial step into my career path as a lawyer allowed me to create new doors and continue to evolve. I never envisioned I would be running um, a charitable organization, but I am. And as I said earlier, it's the privilege of my life. But I think every step along my career led me to this organization and this mission. Wow. Um, I read, Rachel, that the majority of the students who participate worldwide are women. True. Is that true? What does that tell you? It's really, it's, it's, um, it's a silver spot for me uh, in many, among many uh, in our program. But, you know, when I think about um, where I came from, and you were asking earlier, I, I do wish I had received a more formal training in effective leadership and effective assertion, right? Um, mm -hmm. I've always been a very outspoken person. I was raised to be so. Um, and I always took a stand for what I believed in, but you know, all the dynamics around being a young woman in America at the time meant that I didn't always feel as though I knew the correct pathway to channel those instincts. And I think we've done it. We've come a long way. We still have yes. a long way to go. And mm -hmm. Enactus operates in 35 countries around the world. And um, as we all know, there are gender differences in every culture. Um, and certainly there are opportunities. But what I think um, our statistics today with the majority of our students being young women tells us most um, is that women are willing to find pathways uh, to make impact and to advance their own knowledge and thinking. Um, and they're finding, you know, us as one creative way to do that. Whether you're in a developing market, uh, an emerging market, or a developed economy, we find that many women uh, young women tend to be more entrepreneurial because they may not have opportunities in what are considered standard pathways. Um, but many women are more entrepreneurial and now have resources to pursue those instincts when, like me, uh, they may have been afraid to do so or didn't see a pathway to do so earlier. Tell me what your own leadership style is, Rachel. You are leading an enormous organization um, and and engaging and interacting with people from all over the world, different cultures. What do you find 
um, works for you in motivating your team? Yeah, that's a, that's an ever-evolving education for me. I think true leadership at its core is empathetic. Um, and uh, I think many women aspire to lead but are very hesitant to do so. For me, um, our organization is very complex. We have people all over the world. Uh, we have all age groups. And we know from the research with our students that intergenerational workforces are very complicated things for people of all ages. Um, and so when I think about leadership, I think about um, a few uh, really tangible skills, right? The ability to listen, uh, the ability to be a strategic thinker, and the ability to motivate people um, with a shared vision. Now, many of my colleagues around the world will say um, that it's easy to do that in a nonprofit. I will tell them for us that that's true. Every single person who works at Enactus um, or works on and toward our mission, including our partners and our, and our boards of directors around the world, they truly believe in our mission. And when you are so aligned against a purpose, which so many private sector companies have discovered over the last several years, it's much easier um, to come together as a team and lead to an effective outcome. And we are an incredibly committed network, not just of staff, again, but of partners, uh, businesses around the world, uh, academic leaders, faculty play a key part of what we do. Um, and our boards of directors and staff. And so for me, um, always bringing what everything we do back to our mission, tying it to our purpose, has been the most important and frankly joyous part of the job among all of my colleagues. You know, I was curious about your business partners. And, and first I was wondering, gosh, who was the very first company to <laughs> sign on to partner with Enactus? You know, I would. I wish I could tell you that. We are so old, we don't have the best record creeping in the world, but I will tell you that a big part of our history um, is linked to Walmart. Um, our, okay. our evolution has been dramatic over the last four decades, and so we have had retailers and consumer packaged goods companies, companies that are really focused on recruiting the greatest and most entrepreneurial talent. We're a long part of our network in the U.S., but as we have grown... Uh, we've expanded that reach tremendously to KPMG globally is one of our largest partners and very, very engaged at all levels of the organization. And all of our partners, over 500 of them, are simply remarkable. We couldn't do what we do without their support, but they're with us because they understand and are also purpose-driven organizations who really value this next generation and what they will bring, uh, not only to those organizations, but to our communities worldwide. Excellent. We're going to go into our last break. Stay with us for our watch team of on-air contributors. You're listening to Women to Watch. Now, the Women to Watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso from Pathways Consulting Group. While seniors continue to feel frustrated with their lack of understanding and utilization of technology, their screen time through TV, laptops, tablets, and smartphones has increased to over four hours a day. Many individuals, 65 years and up, have made considerable purchases in tech devices, but the challenge doesn't come with owning them. It comes with adopting them into their everyday life. Have you ever seen a 12-year-old assisting their 70-year-old grandmother work the remote control or show her how to navigate to Netflix? At times, even I have a hard time trying to find my way around the many buttons of the remote. 
Because many companies have taken a top-down approach to technology, they've struggled to market their platforms and apps to adults 65 and over. More times than not, it's because this age group is not included at the time of design and testing before the technologies go to market. The world's 65-plus population is hitting a historical high of over 6 million people, and it's projected to hit a full billion by 2030. With these projections, technology companies have an incredible opportunity to get creative with specific designs and products for older adults. Things they need to take into consideration are their physical and mental characteristics of the aging. Did you ever wonder why it's so difficult for someone older to swipe a phone? It's because hand-to-eye coordination diminishes, making it a challenge. Therefore, a considerable amount of research will need to go into the design of technology. Many companies are placing a lot of focus on the aging-in-place technologies. I feel there's a missed opportunity for the everyday devices that shouldn't need an instruction manual, are secure and easy to use for the older adult, giving them an alternative to what might seem so complex. I'd love to hear your opinion on this topic. Email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth and you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. Now the women to watch. Finance Watch. Hi, this is Terry, and I'm from Fortis Wealth. Have you done everything to prepare your family for the financial blow that could result from your death? Recent events have many people thinking about life insurance. September is Life Insurance Awareness Month, an annual campaign from the nonprofit called Life Happens. This year's theme is Reality Check. The time for life insurance is now. Most Americans need life insurance or need to update their coverage. There are several types of life insurance, but all of them pay cash, yes, cash, to your beneficiaries at your passing. No one wants to think about it, but if someone depends on you financially, it's a topic you should not avoid. Many families depend on two incomes to make ends meet. If you died suddenly, would your spouse have enough resources to support the household? Raising a child can be rewarding, but it's also expensive. Even parents who don't work outside the home need life insurance because they provide services that would be expensive to replace. Think child care, transportation, managing the household, taking care of elderly parents, or a special needs child. Life insurance is even more important for single parents as their children rely on them for everything. And let's not forget all the pets out there who depend on you. Fido and Fluffy would miss not only you, but also being fed and groomed regularly. Life insurance benefits can help to cover living expenses, pay for funeral and final expenses, pay off outstanding debt such as credit cards and mortgage, and help keep a family business afloat. They can also finance future needs such as a child's education, and protect a spouse's retirement plans. Buying life insurance is getting easier. Costs are generally lower due to longer life expectancies and to the data available about certain conditions that are no longer life-threatening. 
There's more good news. Some insurance companies are taking steps to phase out the in-person medical exam in favor of technology risk-based assessments. The exam requirement in your case will depend on your health, medical risk factors, and the amount of coverage you're seeking. Life insurance is available through licensed professionals directly from the insuring company and many times through your employer. Please review your situation and come up with a plan to protect your family's future. This is Terry. Peace out. Now more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm speaking with Rachel Jarosh this evening, the president and CEO of Enactus, an amazing organization, global, doing all kinds of great things. Um, I definitely want to give you an opportunity to, you know, perhaps talk about a project um, that is being worked on today or one that has been completed and really inspired you. But before we did that, I want to talk a little bit about education in general. And I wanted to ask you if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about traditional education or how education has been um, happening in the world today, what would that be? Because I think we're seeing obviously a change, an inevitable change with the pandemic. Um, But there's things that have been working and things that haven't been. And I was curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I very much appreciate that. And I think about that question in the lens of, uh, in two lens or two views. One is what is happening right now in terms of the pandemic and our ability or not to be together uh, to learn. But the other is also longer term, what we need as a global community uh, to really create greater resource allocation um, and equality for all in a healthy, robust capitalist system. Um, And the answer to both of those for me is the same. Uh, We need, and you won't be surprised by this given what we do, but we need need more opportunities for more students to apply their classroom learning. If you look at the World Economic Forum research about the future of jobs or um, latest articles in The Economist, just about any resource that is looking and researching what we will need to build strong systems uh, that can support a more equitable life for all, Uh, One of the things that we need most is resilience and what we used to call the soft skills. Um, What we know, we talk a lot about technology and the technological revolution that we've been undergoing. And now with the fourth industrial revolution becomes even more important as more people are displaced from more jobs. But what we know is that at the core, what we need are those emotional skills, emotional IQ skills, um, human skills because we are going to be working in more complex environments with more people who are different than we are. We are going to be working further across borders and technology is a tool that is constantly evolving. So we need the ability to continue to learn even if we're in a technical role um, and the ability to adapt quickly. So that lifelong learning continuum um, can really become embedded through a program like Enactus. Our students are in the classroom all day. What they do through us to create the remarkable impact they create, they do on their own time. Um, They invest in their own way, and they do it uh, in in a team setting so that they are learning many of the skills that I'm referring to uh, real time and in real action. And by the time they graduate, they can say to somebody, yes, I've run a team of 10 or 50 or 500 students. We've launched a small business. Here's what we learned from that process. 
Maybe it didn't work. Here's what we learned from those failures. But that kind of real learning, experiential learning, is what will lead us all to a healthier outcome. When I think about the pandemic and its impact um, on remote learning, we all know a lot of us have have children or others in our households who've been um, challenged by the dynamics. The other thing that I think education really has to be thinking about, and I know many of our university partners are around the world, is how do we channel uh, the online learning in a much more experientially robust way? Not just Mm. sitting at a screen and watching somebody, um, but creating those opportunities. And that's what Enactus did recently. We launched our first ever virtual exchange program Students not only took classes together online, but then they worked together online uh, and formed teams from two different countries toward shared problems and brought their cultural knowledge to that process. It was a really remarkable um, thing to witness, and it was our first pilot. But I think more and more uh, education systems at all levels will be looking at ways to integrate experiential learning into their curriculum, and I couldn't be more happy to see that happening. Rachel, can you give our listeners an example of a project that, you know, a group of young people worked on that was most impressive to you? Oh, there are so many. It would be hard to pick one or two that are most impressive, but I'm happy to pick a few and just share them with you. And keep in mind, one of the things that's most unique about Enactus is we create a framework for students to think about the needs in their communities, to devise solutions, and then to bring those to life. But we don't channel students toward a specific topic. We want their personal passions, interests, and the needs of their communities to be what shapes their um, outcomes. That said, we do provide students opportunities who are interested in climate change, for example, or issues related to water. And we have a challenge going on right now called the One Race for Oceans, which is about to culminate at the Enactus World Cup next week And this was a challenge to teams around the world who wanted to examine exactly where we are today in ocean health and what some of the business opportunities might be, but also some of the ways we might address some of the degradation that's happening. And so I couldn't be more proud. I'll give you one example from that race alone. Um, A university in Canada uh, is aiming to replace all plastic cosmetic bottles, which are sent to landfills or end up in the ocean every year through an organization they founded called Earth Suds. These are single-use dissolvable tablets of shampoo, conditioner, and body wash that don't require any plastic packaging whatsoever. Now, this was created by a team of students, 18, 19, and 20 years old. They are uh, working on the IP, and I always joke when I say this as a lawyer, but I didn't know what a patent (laughs) was when I was in college. But many of our students are already going out and getting them. So that's that's one end of the spectrum. Um, On the other, you have um, in China a team uh, that created a small robot. They were also focused on ocean degradation, but they discovered that much of the plastic in the oceans comes from rivers in China. So they created a small robot that sits on the top of water and can pull small plastics out of the water. Wow. They have now working with a retailer to package that robot into a boat Uh, That retailer will do an education campaign and sell it to families. And as those families pull plastics out of the water and bring it back to the retailer, they'll probably get a rebate, I would think, on a future purchase. But that (laughs) retailer is developing an entire education campaign around that. So you get a sense of the spectrum of the kinds of things that our students are doing. 
Um, and it would simply, uh, it blows me away every day. I'm just so proud of their creativity and innovation. You know what, Rachel, I can hear your passion and excitement in your voice talking about, you know, the work these kids are doing. And I would imagine you see yourself here for the long term. At an act? Yes. Yes. This is the privilege of my life. I will tell you, I have no idea what the future holds. Um, and I always thank every day, um, all the higher beings for uh, the day that I'm given. But I have to tell you that working at an organization uh, that is bringing an opportunity for leadership to so many people around the world, but especially to young women and to students who might not otherwise have these opportunities uh, is a great honor. Mm. Well, listen, I'm so appreciative of your taking time to be with me. I know how busy you are. And we didn't even get to talk about, you know, the, the benefit that the companies are getting from all of this. Um, but I wish you the very best, and, and I hope you'll stay in touch. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Thank you, as always, to our sponsors and our watch team of on-air contributors for their support. And enjoy your Labor Day. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.